All right. Man, I'm excited to be here. It's always good to be uh, in the house of the Lord as we sang about earlier. There's joy in the house of the Lord. We come together smelling that good food. I mean, it's, just, it's a good day. This is going to be a good day. Have you ever had a decision? Ever had a decision in front of you that um, you really needed to know? I mean, what if, if it's maybe it's a big decision? Like, all right, if I go this way, I can see that could be good. Or maybe if I go this way, but you're one, you're wondering, man, what is what is God's will for me? What is God's will in this big decision? Is it God's will that I that I take this new job? Is it God's will that I? go to this college or go to this college? Is it, is, it, um, is it God's will that I buy this house right now? Is it God's will for me to, to retire and, or to work another year or two? What is God's desire? What is his will for you over the next, over the next month, over the next couple of weeks? What's God's will for you tomorrow? Is there anyone here this morning that would like to know for certain what God's will for your life is? Anybody like to know what God's will for your life is? I mean, I'm there. All right. God, what is your will? What, is, what do you want? What is your desire for me? Now, friends, what if I told you that I know exactly what God's will for your life is right now? I know it. You're like, man, are you a psychic? Oh, you're one of those kind of preachers. You got, you know, the word just came upon you. You know. Now, I know because the Word tells us, the Bible tells us exactly what God's will for us. He gives us, in actually, in actuality, He gives us three things, three things that, that will bring us into the very center of His will, three things that He wants us to take hold of and to and to live out in our lives. So over these next three Sundays, we're going to look at three aspects, three aspects of God's will in a sermon series called, as you can see, Three Things. Three Things. These three things are found in Paul's letter to the, to the uh, Christian believers, the Christians there in, a, in the city of Thessalonica. It was one of the cities there in Greece. And so we're going to just focus on three verses over these next Two weeks, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you and invite you to turn to First Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at these three verses. If you're losing one of those black Bibles in front of you, I can make it real easy. It's on page 988. If you want to know God's will, here are three things that will put you right in the middle, the center of his will. First Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning verse 16. Paul, the author, is writing. He says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Well, friends, there you have it. 
I mean, it's, it's clear. Paul says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is his will for you. These three things stand at the very core of our Christian existence. And they make up really the centerpiece of God's plan and purpose for your life in Christ Jesus. This is how he wants us to live. This is what he wants us to do. This is where he wants us to be. And when we do these three things, we're right there in the middle of his, of his will. This morning, we're going to take a deep dive into verse 16. Two words, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Always. Now, before we jump in, I want to bring us back to another passage of Scripture in the New Testament that speaks about God's will. This is over in 1 John chapter 2, 17. You can follow along. It says, and the, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. There's a promise. The world and the things of this world are temporary. They're, they're here today. They're gone tomorrow. They're, they're just they're fleeting. But whoever does the will of God, those who are right in the middle of his will, who are doing his will, will abide forever. That word abide means to remain, to, to stay, to continue on in forever. So in other, words, in other words, if we live according to the will of the world, our lives will be futile and fleeting. But if we live our lives a According to the will of God, what this promise is saying is that we will continue into eternity. We will have, uh, we'll be fruitful forever. And that's what I want in my life. And friends, that's what I'm, I want for all of us. Fruitfulness, forever fruitfulness. Nothing like buying some fruit. We do this all the time. You have bananas. And I hear my wife, she's like, y'all need to eat those bananas because they just go bad. That's the things of this world. They just t- start turning bad, right? You can't keep a banana on the little rack even for more than a week. It's, it's, You've got like, to make banana bread out of it, right? But when we do the will of God, it, it never turns. It's forever. It remains. It abides forever. Because there's much at stake when it comes to the will of God. It's more than just, hey, do we want to... You know, do we want to have chicken tonight or beef? That's, I mean, there's, being in the will of God is, I mean, it's, um, eternity is at stake here. So let's look at this first of three things. This first of three things concerning his will for our lives. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. I want us to answer three questions. First, what? Then who? And then when? What, who, and when? So the first question we need to answer is what? What is, what is Paul calling us to? And actually, he's commanding. This word is actually an imperative. He's commanding us to rejoice always. To rejoice is to be joyful, to be, to be glad. The root part of the root, the root word of rejoice is, is joy. We are to, to be joyful. It's a word that's really much richer than the word happiness. Happiness tends to be uh, more of an external response where joy is, is deep in. It, it, it's not associated with, 
with our circumstances. Happiness is very well tied to our, to our circumstances. I was happy that our Barbers Hill varsity football team won their bi-district game this past Friday. Yeah, we were happy about that, right? Now, I was sad, our volleyball team. Oh, man. Circumstances, they can make us happy. Sometimes they make us sad, right? Now, you experience this. This is life, right? We have the goods and the bads. Things, things just happen, and happiness or sadness, they tend to flow around those circumstances. But joy is not like that. Joy is not connected to our present circumstances. My happiness is affected by things around me. My joy is not. Happiness, again, is external, while joy is internal. Joy arises really from the depths of our being. It's not dependent upon the things around us. Again, joy, it is an emotion. It is, we feel joy. It, it, it wells up like this spring, and it does infect, and it gets all in us, and um, yeah, we can't help but feel in the midst of that. But it's way more than just a feeling or an emotion. Friends, it's a, it's a product of the Holy Spirit. It comes from the Holy Spirit. The, you know, God is he, he's one God. He exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit brings forth joy. He bears the fruit of joy in our lives. Joy comes from, from God. In fact, Galatians, in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, he speaks of the, the fruit of the Spirit. And he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. Nothing can touch these things because they are from God, from the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word, or the, the message, the good news. You received this word in much affliction, even in trials, but with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Even amidst trials. So the trials don't, don't impact it. You get it? Even in the midst of trials, the word came, and they received the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. Joy has its source in God. So we yield our lives to the Holy Spirit and seek to walk in step with Him as we submit to Him, as we give Him our days. Joy is born in our lives. Joy is a part of what being a Christian is, is all about. To belong to Christ, friends, is to have joy. That's the what of rejoice. Second question that we need to answer is, is who? Who? Who is Paul talking about here in this letter? Who's he writing to? And in extension, he's writing even in a sense to us. We read this, we read it, he's writing to us. But what's really interesting in this passage is that that verb rejoice, it's in the, it's in the second person plural. Now, those of you who are in English, first person, second I see some smiles. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about here. Second person plural is like, uh, like all of us. You, you all, or like we say it here in Texas. What? 
Y'all. That's what he's saying here. Y'all rejoice. So yeah, it does have implications. Sure, I'm to have joy. If the Holy Spirit is living in me, if I'm walking in step with the Spirit, he's going to bear the, that fruit that we read about earlier. Part of that is, is joy. I have that individually, but that's not the who that Paul is writing. He's writing to this whole church, and he says, y'all, y'all rejoice always. Y'all rejoice. There's something about joy that it's, that's communal. It's, it's shared mutually with, with others. I want you to think about joy within the context of our church's mission statement. We say that we exist as a church. Our mission is to connect people to Christ, community, and cause, right? Connect people to Christ, community, cause. We already affirmed that, that to belong to Christ is to have joy. Because joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we can't know and experience that kind of joy without a relationship with Christ. So if we want our family members, if we want our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates, if we want them to, to know and experience real joy, not just happiness that goes up and down, but joy, deep-rooted joy, it begins with Christ. It begins with a relationship with Christ. That's why we want to connect people to Christ, because we want them to experience and know joy. Just like Christianity isn't a Lone Ranger lifestyle, friends, neither is joy. True joy is experienced in its fullness within the, really within the context of, of community. Joy, let me say it this way, joy is a y'all thing. Get that down. Now, just let, that, let that ring and, and take hold. If you walk away, you don't remember anything. Joy is a y'all thing. It is a y'all thing. It is a, a us thing, all of us together. That's why we want to connect people to community. I want you to think about this. This last Sunday, we, Peyton Beck shared her testimony with us about the work that Jesus had, had done in her life. And then in obedience to him, she followed Jesus. In his example, Jesus came to John the Baptist and was baptized. He was there in the, in the river. He was immersed. So we follow that same practice as believers' baptism. She came and she shared her testimony about what Jesus had done in her life and then followed him in that beautiful picture. We saw as, as she was lowered down in the water is a, is a picture of her saying, look, my old life, that old self, that old person is no longer alive. It's, that's been buried. And coming out of that water, it's like, no, now I'm, I'm walking, I'm a new creation. I've been reborn. I have a new life in Christ. I'm a different person now. I'm, a, I'm alive. I've been raised to walk, as the scripture says, in newness of life. She shared that. And I love it. She came up out of that water, and we, we all collectively experience joy. Well, I mean, it was just something to see those waters stirred and to see that put on display. You guys clapped, and there's a sense of, yes, yes, she's a part of us. She's a part of our family. She's no longer the Beck's daughter. She's now our sister. There's Peyton. You're our sister. You're my sister in Christ. But not only do we rejoice, did you know all of heaven rejoices? 
You've heard me say this before. We, I love it. When people, are bat- when people come to faith, it's like all heaven roars. We get to be a part of making heaven roar. We impact eternity. Luke 15.10 says, Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. When, when a sinner turns from the fleeting things of this world and turns to the one who is everlasting and receives his forgiveness, they are brought into new life and all heaven breaks out in joyous worship. Man, we rejoice. It's, it's us. It's a y'all thing. We do this. We rejoice and with a joy that's, that's it's amazing. We well up with joy. Friends, it's, it's, that kind of joy is exponentially more awesome than any kind of happiness, even when the Astros win the World Series. Or if our guys go and win state, that'll be awesome. But it does not even come, it just pales in comparison to the joy that lasts forever. Like who won the World Series in, in 2010? Anybody know? It's, it's, it's here today, as awesome as whoever won, I have no idea. As awesome as that is, it comes and it goes. But the kind of joy in the Lord, it goes on forever and ever and ever. Every time we come together, there's joy in the house of the Lord. I'm glad we sang that song. There's joy in the house of the Lord. When we gather together, there is joy. There's joy right here. There's joy now because joy is a y'all thing. When we gather after the service today for our Thanksgiving meal, there'll be joy in there. We'll, sure, we're going to eat. We're going to have, have some great fellowship. But it's joy because we belong to one another. We're family. And that's special. I want you to listen to how Paul refers. He's writing to the, to the uh, Christian community, the church there in Philippi. And this is what he says. Philippians 4.1 says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. They aren't just a church. They're not just a, a family of brothers. They are his joy, his crown. He, he knows joy because of this body of believers that he so loves. I feel it too as your pastor. The longer I'm here, I've just been here a little over two and a half years. The longer I'm with you and the, the new people that God is bringing to become a part of our family. Man, I'm, I'm more in love, I'm, I'm longing more, I'm more filled with joy because of you. Christ continues to, to knit our hearts with one another and as it wells up within us, a joy that, that remains forever. It's a joy that's, Paul talks about it, actually it's Peter, I think, talks about it. He says it's inexpressible and filled with glory. It's a communal joy fostered in the unity of believers, sharing spiritual life together. The answer to the question of who is us, it's you all, it's y'all. It's a joy that bursts forth because we belong to Christ and we belong to one another. 
So let me just let me pause right there. Friends, if you're, if you're not part of a family, a Christian community, friends, you're missing out on, on joy. Now, again, First Baptist, it's a great church. We're not a perfect church, but we are, we're going after the Lord. We're seeking to connect people to Christ's community cause. We're, we're trying to live for, for him. We, we're, we're, we're not, um, we don't have the joy thing all the way down, but boy, it's, he's, he's welling it up. And the more we give ourselves to one another, as we knit ourselves together, joy is in, in our midst. If you're not a part of a church, I'd invite you to come be a part. We've, um, we have the um, Connect 101 class, uh, Step 1, Get Connected class. We just had one. We'll have another one the first Sunday of, of December. And friends, if you can't make it, if, you can't, if you've been missing these classes, and you're like, man, I want to come, but I can't ever. I'm always working on that. I'm on shift work. And I always work. You, just reach out to me. And I'll make a special, I'll come to your house because I believe in it so much. And I believe I'm so excited about what God's doing here. I'll come to your house and I'll do, I'll do a private one with you. We'll just walk through it and tell you all about our church and what it means to, to be connected here. And friends, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, there's no, you, you can know happiness, but without Christ, you, you can't experience this deep, seated, rooted joy that's foundational to everything about walking in as a Christian. Friends, um, you can have that joy. And you can have it because of what Jesus did for us. You know, God created us in perfect relationship with him. There in, in the Garden of Eden, we were in perfect relationship with him. There was great joy in the Garden of Eden. But because we're not puppets, God, there was, he's like, all right, don't, you can, everything in the garden, it's incredible, this is an incredibly lavish garden, you can have everything, just don't go to that tree right there and eat of its fruit. I mean, and it's like a, like a kid in a candy store or something, it's like, oh, what do they do? They go in right to that tree, they disobeyed God and really rebelled against him, and that's called sin. And when sin, when they sinned, it, it impacted everything. Death entered the world, pain, suffering. Their kids became sinners. It, was, it became a part of their nature, and their kids were sinners, and their kids' kids were all the way down to you and me. We're sinners by nature and by choice. And that sin separates us from God. That, that relationship, that perfect paradise in the Garden of Eden was forever broken, and nothing that we can do can get us back to that. You can't, you can't go to church enough. You can't give enough. You can't be good enough. You can't do it you, because the standard is perfection. And we, we can't do it. We're already sinners. But God in his great and immense love for us sent his son Jesus. And though we couldn't be perfect, he was. He lived a perfect life. He went because... Because our sin broke our relationship with God, knowing that it has a penalty. If God doesn't punish sin, it'd be like a judge. Somebody does something wrong or commits murder, and he's like, oh, you're good. It's all good. No, to be just, you have to bring punishment, right? And our sin has a cost, and that cost is death, spiritual death. 
But Jesus took that for us. He lived the perfect life. He went to a cross. He died there in our place, paid the cost. And for everyone, friend, you, me, anyone who turns from this world and turns to Christ and says, hey, I don't, I don't have it all together, but I want to trust you. Forgive me. I says, I want to, God, give me the, give me the grace. Help me to, to follow you. He will forgive you and he will give you the promise of eternal life. And in that moment, you will know joy forever. Not a joy that goes up and down, but a joy that lasts forever. Friend, if, if you need that, don't leave today without receiving Jesus. Come talk to me. I'll be in the, out there. Grab one of those cards. Grab one of those cards. Put your name on there. And say, man, I'd just love to, I'd love to know a little bit more about what it means to follow Christ. What, who, one more question, when, when are we to rejoice and be joyful? Our our passage, what does it say? Sometimes? No. Yeah, always, always. We are to be joyful at all times. Paul says the same thing to the Philippians. He says, um, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, let me say it, always rejoice. Rejoice. If joy is not dependent upon our circumstances, then we can know and experience joy really at all times. In fact, this is one of the, I think, the distinctive aspects of being a follower of Christ. We can be joyful in the midst of pain and sorrow. We rejoice in our sufferings and trials. Went to the Allen's um, funeral this, I think I swear to, where are you? I think I saw you out there. Alan's, uh, yes. Toby lost his father tragically this week, and but it was it was sweet at that funeral. There was there was joy in the in the in the midst of the sorrow and the loss, because that your dad knew the Lord, and um, though it was like oh he's he's gone, and but everyone was rejoicing that that he was in heaven. That's the the beauty of walking and knowing Christ. Even in our sufferings, in our loss, in our brokenness, in the midst of deep pain, we can rejoice in our sufferings and our trials. James says it this way, count it all joy when you experience or you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So God is at work even in our trials, our suffering, our loss, our pain. And we, when, it's, when, it, when we feel the sting, we can still count it as joy because God has not left us. And this is the point that I want us to really think about this morning. This is where I want us to like take hold of something and say, all right, that's, I can do that. That's my next step. That's what I'm going to do this week. Friends, I know that being joyful in, in the trial is not easy. It is, it's not easy. It's not like you just go flip a switch and it's like, oh, good. I'm, wow, this is awesome. I love this trial. It just, it, it's not quite like that. But it's that deep, like, hey, I'm good. It's, it's God's got me. But you might be in the very throes of difficulties or a trial right now, and joy seems 
something that you're unable to comprehend or even grasp? How can a person count it all joy when he or she meets a trial, when the finances are a wreck, and when the relationship is on the edge? Well, first, I think we find joy through the hope of God's provision, by hoping in God's provision. Think about this. Jesus, Jesus was getting ready to endure the cross. One of the most brutal uh, forms of torture in that day, crucifixion. But his, he found joy in, the, in his Father. Hebrews 12.2 says it like this, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Like what? Wait a minute. What? For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the flogging, the flesh being ripped from his body, the thorns being placed upon his head, the nails being driven into his hands and his feet, him basically bleeding out suffocating there on that cross, excruciating pain. He endured the cross for the joy set before him, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Prince Jesus, he was hanging on the cross, but he wasn't looking at a cross. He was looking beyond it. He saw the joy that was awaiting him in heaven where he would be seated at the right hand of God victorious over sin and death and paying fully our redemption, carrying out God's will for him. Friend, just like Jesus, look beyond the the discouragement. Look beyond the struggle, the difficulty, your disappointment. Friend, look beyond your pain. There is joy being prepared for you. Look there instead of here. Look to Jesus, the, the founder and perfecter, the author and finisher of your faith. Hope and trust in all that God will provide you. Even, even if you diagnosed with cancer and it's going to be a hard road Man, their joy, even in the midst of the pain, because I mean, even if you're walking with him, even if he takes your life, then you're with him. It's a, it's a win-win. Hope and trust in all that God will provide. I think another thing is to have joy is, is, is to bask in his presence. And you're like, what in the world? John, what are you saying? What does it mean to bask in his presence? King David in the, in the Old Testament, he's the writer of most of our psalms. He experienced some pretty overwhelming trials in his life. He, his best friend died. His, his son uh, came after him. He became an enemy of his son. He had to flee out in the desert, wilderness, running from him, living in caves. Um, his son died. I mean, he just went through all kinds of stuff. Psalm 16, I want you to listen to his words. David says, I have set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. The trials are all around me, but I'm not going to be shaken. I've set the Lord before me. 
Verse 9, therefore my heart is glad. It's filled with joy. And my whole being rejoices. What? How? What do you, how do you do that, David? You're on the run. What in the world? How, do you, how is your heart glad? How are you rejoicing? My flesh also dwells secure. Then he turns to God and says, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let me read that last part there in verse 11. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand pleasures forever. For his fullness of joy is found in his presence. God doesn't hide hide his presence from us. His presence is always it's always available. Scripture says that we seek him, we'll find him. Um, it's like, I think I've shared this before, like when our kids were little, particularly the boys, we'd play hide and seek. They loved it. And I, I, I was a good hider. I mean, I could really hide well. They could never find me if I wanted, wanted to really hide. Um, one of the best places, parents, I tell you this, if you have a dining table, you know, you, you throw a tablecloth over it and it kind of hangs and then you can just climb up on those chairs and sit and let it drop and they'll never find you. They'll never find you. I would get under there, and I'd hear him run through. I'd hear him run around trying to find me. Where's Daddy? Where are you, Daddy? And uh, after a little while, you're like, they can't find me. So I start, um, I want them to find me. That's the joy of it, right? And so I go, boop. I'd make a little sound. Whoop. Now, what? And they come running in there, like, where? Whoop. Wait a minute. I think I hear him. He's right here. Then they, you know, there he is. Or what I, we had these long curtains. And I go and I stand behind these curtains and I let my feet just kind of hang out. Because I want them to come by and go, ah, and, and then their joy was found in, in finding me, right? And then I pop out and they're like, ah, there you are. And I pick them up and like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what God does with us. He's not hiding where we can't see him. In our trials, at times when it seems like God is nowhere near, when we've been disappointed, I've been the volleyball team. I mean, it's like, it's just crushing when you lose like that. And it's like, all right. Or you have a relationship and it goes bad. And it's like, oh, things at work, situation, your health. I mean, whatever it is. And it's like, oh, and you're going after the Lord. And like, how long, Lord? Where are you in the midst of this trial? He, he's not going to hide forever. And the, the joy is seeking him. And then when you see his hands, see his feet, or you hear that little small voice, and then you find him, and he's going to grab you and pick you up and say, yeah, and twirl you around, and you're going to know the fullness of joy in his presence. That's what this week of prayer is all about. This week of prayer and fasting is all about being in his presence. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Both prayer and fasting are all about drawing near to God and trusting him to draw near to us. Again, I want to, I can't emphasize it now, I want to encourage every one of you to be a part this week. I'm not asking you to, you know, to fast for seven days, not eat any food for seven days. I'm not asking that. 
Um, there's all kinds of different fasting. We, we've got a video that's going to come out on social media, tell you about you can do a complete fast where you just, hey, I'm going to take a meal or a day, and I'm not going to eat any food. I'm just going to drink liquids. Or you can do a partial fast, like, hey, I'm not going to eat meat today. And you think you're there at the meal, it's just all vegetables. You're like, hmm, I sure I'm missing my meat here. But then you're like, well, hey, I, then you just thank God. I mean, just, it just it draws your attention to him. You just pause a minute and you're like, God, you're good. I sure would like to look for tomorrow. I'm going to have my meat back. No. Or you can do like the intermittent fast. You, um, I mean, don't eat anything until noon. So maybe fast that morning meal and then eat at noon, eat it, eat it, uh, dinner, then don't eat anything after, after dinner. And then use that time. You're like, man, I really want that snack, that, that, uh, you know, that, Nine o'clock snack and just don't do it. Then use that. You feel it. And you're like, ah, oh, let it draw you to him. Or you, if you're maybe, you're, again, you have health things. You're like, I can't give up those kinds of foods. I need, I need to eat. We'll give up. We call it a soul fast. Give up some kind of thing that maybe is, maybe it's a good time to kind of reprioritize some things. Like, man, I'm giving too much time to this, you know, to Fortnite or to uh, uh, the Beverly Hillbillies or whatever it is your thing. Fast, fast. Watch what God would do. Pray. And God would encourage you to pray. If you're not used to praying each day, friends, it's a great time just to start. And just, just a few minutes, just set it aside. Just a few minutes with the Lord. Use that prayer guide. I'm telling you, five minutes, you just walk through the prayer guide. It'll give you, just walk through it and lift them up. You can just read it to the Lord, and I tell you, that, that'll be your five minutes right there. Come and spend a little time here in the worship center. Others of you might want to try 15 minutes. Maybe you've never prayed for a solid 15 minutes. We're providing a, you can get it online. Simple thing right here. It says 15 minutes prayer guide, and it walks you through using the acrostic packs, preparation, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Preparation, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. We've got a whole bunch of these. So I think there's some back there. Get them at a connecting point. It'll walk you through step by step. Just, you, you just go through this. There's examples how to do it. And um, 15 minutes will be gone in a second. Maybe you're like, hey, I want to, I, I, I do 15 minutes. I want to stretch a little bit. I, I wanna, how about if I if I gave an hour, some of you might want to like, hey, I, I want to pray an hour. You flip it over right there. We got, we got it. We'll walk you through. Take, take five minutes in each of these sections, and you'll blink, and an hour will go by. You, friends, you can do this. You can do it. As we pray, as we come into the presence of the Lord, lives are changed. Prayer is about your life and my life being changed. And then God uses it to change others' lives. Prayer is about changing us, changing our church, changing our community. Everyone this week praying and fasting. We can do it. Friend, you can do it. We're giving ourselves to prayer and fasting because true joy flows from being in his presence. We're giving ourselves to prayer and fasting this week because we long for his presence to bring transformational joy in our lives. I, I want that. I want, I want to see that joy grow and become stronger, consuming. I want to see it in our church. I want to see it in our community. 
Friends, God's will for your life today, tomorrow, and forever is for you to rejoice always. Rejoice always. He wants you to have the kind of joy that's not dependent upon whether you win the game, whether you get that promotion, whether you pay off all your credit cards. Those are all good things. Those are great things. But they, they just make you happy. They don't really bring that deep inner joy. True joy comes like a geyser bursting forth from the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Joy is also a y'all thing. It's a y'all thing. We know joy as we're connected to one another in community. Joy is found in being a part of a spiritual family. And because joy is not dependent upon our circumstances, we can know and experience joy in the good times and in the difficult times. We can have joy even in our grief, pain, even in our depression, despair, suffering, because God's presence is with us. He promises to, to never leave us or forsake us, Hebrews 13, 5. And as we set the Lord before us in prayer, fasting, we will find, friend, you will find, we all will find fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore, forevermore. This is God's will for your life. This is God's will for your life. So let's go and live right in the middle of it. Let's go. Y'all rejoice always. Let's pray. Father, we I think we all want to be right in the middle of your will. Sometimes we just, maybe we get busy, life just moves on, and we really don't think about it. We, we feel the ups and downs. We feel the happiness of our circumstances, and then we feel sometimes the lows, the sadnesses, the disappointments of our circumstances. God, your spirit lives in us. And he is not bound to the circumstances around us. In your presence, there is joy. And there are pleasures forevermore. So God, help us in that. Help us this week. Help us to, in some way, take a step, whatever that step is, and just to, maybe it's, it is that, just praying each day this week. Maybe it's being able to pray for five minutes, walking through an outline. Maybe it is like, hey, stretching ourselves and praying for 15 minutes or, or an hour. Maybe it's abstaining from something, some food or something, to so, so that we give ourselves afresh to you and we seek you. I thank you that when we, when we ask, you answer. When we seek, we find. When we knock, you open the door. You're a good God. Thank you for the joy of knowing you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.